Are you ready this morning? Last week we spoke about four levels of faith, did we not? And uh, that you need to build into your spiritual life and your spiritual race. Because without these, you cannot progress. And we talked about believing faith. We talked about obedient faith. And we talked about fuller faith and great faith. Today I want to talk about another level of faith. There's 15 altogether. But I'm not going to talk about this today. But I want to talk about, I want to deal with one this morning. How many of you know God has a specific time frame in which to do things, work in you and work through you? How many of you know that? Once that time has gone, the opportunity is gone for God to do a work in you and through you. Just let that sink in. There are great opportunities for God to do things. And sometimes if we're not obedient, we're not listening, we have to wait for the next cycle where we can hear God. Amen? And uh, it can take quite a lot of time for that cycle. You can wait a long time for... God to uh, be merciful and come back to you with the same question he asked you. I don't even know. Time can pass. I, I know when God speaks to me sometimes, years go by before he asks me the same question again. And you say, well, that's not the God I know. Well, that's your problem. The God I know does do that. He did it with Abraham. He did it with Moses. He did it with a lot of his servants. So you're no different. Are you better than Moses or Abraham? Of course not. So, God has a certain amount of time to mould you into his nature and his image. And the Bible says we each, we each go through a holy fire. And that's what I call God's scanning progress, uh, sorry, process. Where at the end of your race, you go through the holy fire scanner. And what comes out is what comes out. I'm not looking forward to that day in some ways. And in other days. And some of us are nearer to that day than we care to think. And then there's always that random when, when you can be taken any day. But we're getting close to it. And, you know, I often, you've heard me say this. I think that come that day when all the awards are being given out, it's like, going to be like the Oscars. The heavenly Oscars ceremony. And there's going to be nominees and award winners. But you know what? I'm not interested in being a nominee. They say... I don't, want to, I don't want to be advertised as a nominee for an Oscar. I want to win the sucker. I don't want to be a nominee. And, and, and trade on that, he was once nominated for a Golden Globe Award. But did you win it? No. Well, shut up then. That's like saying it, I once ran in the 4,000 metres in the Olympic Games. But did you win? No. Well, shut up then. Why? Because the record books only remember the winners. Oh, the winning bad. Yeah, really bad. And the thing is, heaven's about finishers. It's about finishers. Not, not so much winners, but finishers. Because he who finishes wins. Yes? You see, there's no back door. There's no back door. There's no global award event called Europa League. Right? There's no Man United up there trying to get in through the back door. Hoping that on the, on, on the day of the ceremony, we got in. Oh, look who got in through the back door here. Man United. You don't want that, do you? You don't want to get through into heaven and be a Man United. You want to be a Man City. And you want to get there on the Champions League. And you want to say, yeah, we played there. Now stop it, you rebellious lot. There is no backdoor Europa League policy in heaven. It's about what you do today, my friend. 
or what we're not doing today. And you see, do you know what that, do you know what that award ceremony does in heaven? Do you know what it does? You ready for this? It reminds you of what you didn't do in your season. That's what that award ceremony in England, uh, sorry, in heaven, sorry, not England. Well, even in England, when Chelsea won the league, it reminded everybody else of what needs to be done to win. And in heaven, it's going to remind you of what you should have done in your season. And it's going to be too late. So we don't want to be Europa Reds. So no, I'm being serious now. I'm using, I'm using a current theme. For those who don't like football, tough, just stay with me for a minute. I'll get back in the word, don't worry. We don't, there is no back door. We can't say, Lord, give me another chance. We've only got today. And we've got to use what God gives us today to produce what needs to be produced for the future. You didn't get that, did you? You've got to use what you've got today, the opportunities, so you can produce for the future. You see, when you win natural trophies uh, on the earth, they only ever talk about your past. But we're talking about what we're doing about our future. I'm planning for my future. Do you understand that? We're planning for our future. And we don't want to... You know, when that music's played, they say that... Again, coming back to the football just for a second. They say when the music's played and the Champions League's played, it's almost like the footballing anthem. And when it's played, it sends a tingle up the supporters' backs. And those who were in the Champions League really get motivated by that theme music. But how much more when the Oscars are being given out in heaven and we hear the great celestial choir rather singing the champions, the faithful. Can you imagine the great celestial choir in the throne room singing, the faithful. And then you come and collect your medal. You show it. And then what's going to happen? Listen. When the faithful music, the champions music's played, or the finishing, the finishing champions is played, guess what? Downstairs, called hell, is going to hear that music. It's going to hear the award ceremony. And they're going to wish that they would have done something with what they heard. It's a very sobering moment, folks. It's a very sobering moment. Them downstairs or across the pond, whichever way heaven works, they're going to wish that they were part of this ceremony. They're going to wish they ran that race. They're going to wish that they fought the faith. And they're going to wish they finished strong. Don't you think? And they're going to be reminded all the time of what you're getting and what they've not got. It's not that they didn't have an opportunity. It's not that they didn't get a chance. They did. They just didn't do anything with it. But you and I must do something with what we've been given. The faithful. So, let's look at our first scripture. No, or maybe not. It's not working enough. There's a battery, isn't it? It's the same speech every week, isn't it? It's not working. Can you just... Hit it for me, please. Okay, Ephesians 4, verse 4. Just turn to it in your Bibles. I make it really easy for you when I, I bring these PowerPoints. Ephesians 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as we were called to one hope. When you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. 
Thanks, Ralph. He's my expert, Ralph. Let me read that again. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. How many? One Lord, one faith, one baptism. How many? One faith, one baptism, one Lord. I heard three things, but I heard one. Does that make sense? One God and Father of all. So we've got one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father, who is over all, through all, and in all. But each one of us, grace has been given as Christ has apportioned it. So God's given you something to start this race. You see that? One God, one faith, one Lord, one God and Father, one baptism. So let us, if we can, let us now, let's measure your faith. We've all been given a measure. Did we not just read that? As Christ has apportioned it. So in other words, God's given you a down payment to start the journey. So look at the person at the side of you and say, you've got a measure. Right. So now you've got, listen, right in your Bible, I've got to measure my measure. I've got to measure my measure. If you've got a measure, how do you know what you've been given if you don't measure your measure? Does that make sense? So measure the measure. So we'll turn to measuring the measure. Romans 12. Now we're going to read this slow. So I want you to see if you can see your measure in this scripture. This is your measure. How you score in this scripture here will determine the measure you've got. So love must be sincere. Let's just hope, stop right there. What's your measure of love? What, how, how, are you doing, how, are you, how are you scoring over there and over there? I've asked myself this question. How are you scoring with sincere love? Or does love always have to be an agenda? Just a question. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. How many of us hate what's evil? We all say, yeah, but we don't. Because we watch things we shouldn't watch. We listen to things that we shouldn't listen to. And we laugh at things that we shouldn't laugh at. So we touch, we look... And we listen to things that are evil, but because we see a funny side of it, you know, a comedian can get away with a lot of things. Love must be, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. We could just measure that right now. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. We could measure that right now. What's your zeal like? But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. We could measure that right now. Be joyful in hope. We could measure that right now. Patient in affliction. See, all these have got a measure. Faithful in prayer. Oi, stop right there. We're all guilty. Share with God's people who are in need. I'm not coming to come down here today. Let the word just speak what the word speaks. And here's one I'm really particularly interested in is this practicing hospitality. Because I think that's one of the keys to this house, to practicing hospitality. Some of you have got beautiful homes, but you never open the door and let anybody in other than your own circle. I think it's a tragedy. 
I do. I think it's a tragedy. This is why when Paul and them bought their house, one of the things they said was, we want to open it up and we want to use it. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about our church is that the more and more people desire these things, God cannot help but come to us. We need our houses to be used in the future. We need house parents. We need all those kind of things. You can't do it if you haven't got hospitality. So that God's going to measure us on hospitality. I know everyone can't open the door because you've got unsaved husbands or wives or whatever, but many of us are not in that situation. Share with God's people who's in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Anyone getting grief at work? And are you telling all your, are you telling all your staff who's giving you grief rather than blessing your boss? Just measuring, just, just in case. Got to take measure out. Uh, bless and don't curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. It, it, listen, it gets worse in a minute. I'll continue. I'll continue. This, this scripture really helps us to measure where we are with our faith. There is loads and loads of areas here for you to get involved, for your measure of faith to increase and for your race to go to a new level. So we, let's continue. Measure and measure continue. Live in harmony with one another. Marriages. How many husbands and wives talk to each other like you're dirt? It's wrong. It's wrong. It's only ever going to clog the atmosphere up. It's only going to create tension in the house, in the home. You've got to learn to talk to one another with seasoned salt. You want an aroma, not a stench. This is why marriage is such a key thing. And it doesn't have to be marriage. It can be anywhere you're living with. If you've got housemates, it can be anyone. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. So start with me. I'm working class. Some of you might be class. I'm just working with class. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. It's not just doing right, it's being seen to be doing right. Yes? Here's a big one for you. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And don't take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it's, time, it's mine to avenge. I'll repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's, if he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And in doing this, you'll keep burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, if you're smart this week, you'll just play with that scripture in your quiet time. And just say, Lord, measure me. Measure me, Lord. Let the holy scanning device called the Holy Spirit scan my heart and show me where I, the measure that you've given me, show me how it's being used based on Romans. Romans 12, 9 to verse 21. Scan my heart, Lord. Scan my heart, Holy Spirit. Show me how I can improve my serve. How can I improve my serve? If this is a tennis match, the whole idea is that you've got to get your shot and you've got to get it in the opponent's half. 
Now, that's what, that's what faith and serving God is all about. It's getting what you've got into another quadrant. Hello? It's getting what you've got, what you know, what you believe, what you feel, what's been spoken to you, and getting it out of here into another person's quadrant where you can make an impact. True? So we see. So you ready to measure your measure? My machine's gone crazy. Behave yourself. There you go. So how's your hold? How's your measure holding up out there? Seriously, listen. Let's not just be hearers. Let's take this scripture and let's really analyze where we are and set yourself some goals. Lord, I'm gonna I'm gonna make some headway on my journey. I'm going to create some new footsteps. And we're going to do something different. This is my challenge. How can I serve in this? In not, not so much in this. How can I serve in Romans? There, there must be some area there where you and I know where we can improve our, our serve. Got to be. Just got to be. Share with God's people who's in need. That's a great place. Honor one another above yourself. Let's just start never be lacking with zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Because without that, you won't do anything for anybody else. I didn't write this, Bible wrote it. So, fight the good fight. So despite that, Timothy says, fight the good fight, fight the fight of faith, take hold of eternal life. How many of you know to outlive what we've just read, you've got to fight the faith? Come on. You've got to run the race. You've got to take hold of eternal life. You've got to take hold of eternal life to which you were called and made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God who gives life to everything and of Jesus Christ who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. Now pick this up in a minute. I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ with which God will bring about in his own time, God the blessed and the only ruler, the king of the kings, the Lord of lords. When we read this scripture, we start off with a command, a commission, fight the good fight of faith. So how do you fight the good fight of faith? It's a good question. Well, you start with Romans. Because every one of those, if you want to fulfill Romans, there'll be a fight to do that. Your flesh will be crucified, your mind will be renewed, and your faith will be strengthened. Doing things for people who don't always deserve things takes a work in you. People you may not like, people you may not get on with, people you're not necessarily fond over, but it's not that you don't like them, you're not necessarily fond over them. But to do that is an amazing, amazing turn. And that, you know what that is? That's, that's the very thing. It's, it's I who no longer live, but Christ who lives in me. And you see, your measure of faith can be seen by how much I is in there. That's how me- you can measure your faith. How much I is in your faith. Because the amount of I that's in your faith will get served. It's true. So if I still live and I, and I, I is still there, guess what? I will serve me and my interests. 
But if I no longer live, but Christ that lives in me, then a lot of outside of me things will take place. So he says, fight the good fight of faith. This is the first challenge. Then he says, take hold of eternal life to which you were called to. So he's pulling us to that great Oscar winning event. He's saying, take hold of the faith, take, fight the fight, take hold of the eternal life which you were called to. Take hold of it. How do you take hold of it? By effort. By faith. By determination. By challenge. By tears. By disappointment. By frustration. By anger. Yeah, that's how you do it. In all circumstances, you do it. Then he says this, and I like this one because this is powerful. When you made your good confession of faith, in the presence of many witnesses. Now, when you gave your life, some of you gave testimonies. And you told us how Jesus Christ came and turned your life upside down. And you told people who, uh, sorry, what you were doing, what, how bad girl, bad boy you was, and you then braggadocious on what Jesus did, had us done, and is doing with your life. And you told everybody, and people clapped and responded, and said, that's wonderful, thank you, Jesus. But guess what? It's like a marriage. Your testimony is like a marriage. What does that mean? When we give, when we have two people stood up here, and they give their vows, who did they give the vows to? They gave the vows to each other. In the presence of many witnesses... Before God. So your testimony wasn't just in the midst of many witnesses down here, but up there. God witnessed what you were saying down here. God witnessed the covenant he's made and you've made with him this way and you spoke it that way. See, in a wedding ceremony, we do this for legal reasons. That's how you get a certificate. You've got to say certain things, right? There's not an awful lot you have to say legally. But there is some things you have to say. Like, I know not any reason why this person should not be joined together. And if there's anybody here who knows any other reason why this couple should not be joined together in holy matrimony, they must therefore speak now or forever. Shut up. Well, you can't put your hand up saying he's having an affair. That's not a legal reason. The only legal reason there is to stop that marriage is he or she's married. That's the only legal reason. I didn't say moral reason, I said legal reason. Yes? So when you're joined, when you're giving your testimony down here and you stood there and you're being baptized in that one faith, one Lord, one blood, one baptism, one father, one congregation, when you stood there, heaven has witnessed what you've said. So you made your good confession. Now, what he's saying is this. Now keep it. Plain and simple, keep what you told others had happened to you. Keep it. But it's not easy to keep it, is it? So that's why it's called a good fight of faith. Because it's not easy to, keep, to lay hold of Christ. It's not. It's not that Christ keeps moving. You do. And I do. We move in our minds. So he says, take hold of, uh, sorry, when you made your good confession, what kind of confession was it? It was a good one. In the presence of many witnesses. Witnesses heard you and they have the right to say, hey, how's that confession of yours holding up? 
Yeah, it's true. And then he says this, in the sight of God. I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame. No pressure. So I say to Ange, Ange, I heard your testimony. Now keep it without spot or blame. So that's why we should keep one another accountable. For how long? How long? Until his appearing. Until the ceremony. And you were, the faithful. Maybe this, you can identify with this verse. Notice it's a past tense, you were running. We keep hearing this word, good. It's a good fight, good confession, good race. Started with a confession. You get in from a confession, it'll get you into a fight, you know that, don't you? So, you were running a good race, who or what cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth. This issue on the truth I'm going to pick up, not today. Because this is the issue of the race, the truth. You cannot have the, the race and the faith without the truth. And it's the truth that's always up for grabs. We've got to nail the truth down once and for all. So you were running a good race. So these Galatian people, if you read the book of Galatians, I've been in the book of Galatians just of late, and I've been reading it. It's only six chapters, but so much is in there. And Paul is devastated and concerned that they're, they're abandoning the truth, and they're going back to the old ways. Does that ring a bell with anyone? They abandoned what they were given, and they go back to the old traditions. It's ama- it always amazes me and saddens me at the same time how believers stay in a, in a, in a we'll call it a charismatic, or a free environment like this where worship is, is clear, the word is preached and they've got access to greater levels of word and then they go, for some reason, they get offended and they go and sit in a religious institution. They'll go and sit in a religious institution where, there's, where the heavens are closed in most cases, not every case, but in most cases, where there's more nonsense and incense than anything else. There's liturgy, and there's nothing of God, and everything is symbolism. And you put yourself in that bracket. And you think God's happy with that. God set you free to stay free. And then you put, these people put themselves under this environment where the heavens are like brass, Darth Vader walks through with his incense nonsense, and it always amazes me, why would you go back to that? Why go back? And that's exactly what Paul was telling the, the, the Galatians, why are you going back when we labour to get you out of that? And he says to him, who cut in on this race? Who brought you to this point where the past, the back way, seems more appealing now than going forward. There's always something or someone who will take you back to your past. And your past will appear more exciting or more plausible or more comfortable than your future. So what happens is people don't go anywhere and they'll say, well, I'm just waiting on the Lord. You don't leave and wait on the Lord. 
Try that with your job. Try that with your job. No, you won't do that with your job. Why? Because the consequences are immediate. But we'll do it with our faith. We'll sit there and we'll let weeks, months, years go by. And when you see someone, well, I'm just in between churches right now. And here's my take on this. You can use this free. Someone says to you, uh, if you've not seen someone for months and months and months and months and months and months, and they say to you, uh, I'm moving on, this is what you say to them. Can I just stop you right there? You're not moving on, you've moved out. Moving on means you move on and find somewhere quickly. Moving out just means I'm no longer here. You've moved out, you've not. You're homeless, you've moved out. You're, you're, you're on the street. I'm not between churches, that's called the street. You've moved out, you've not moved on. This is what we've got to be very careful of when people start playing clever games with us with words. The reason why, here we go, the reason why you find it hard to keep running your race is because your Christianity is filled with so much doubt and so little faith. That's where I want to camp this morning. The reason why many people's Christianity is, is difficult to keep on progressing or running their race is because our Christianity is often filled with so much doubt and so little faith. Doubt is greater than faith. So doubt produces little faith. And I'll show you the spiral, not today, I'll show you the spiral, that's when I talk about the, the levels of faith. I'll show you how doubt creates a spiral of faith. A crisis of faith, it, it creates a crisis of faith within you. Doubt will create a crisis of faith within you. Let me say that again. Doubt will create a crisis of faith within you. It's where you've got to arrest doubt. Every one of us. Jesus replied, listen to what he's saying. Don't just write the scripture, listen to what he's saying. Let's, let's read it slowly. Jesus replied, so he's in a conversation. I'm telling you the truth, he's saying. Now, you know when Jesus speaks, he never lies. So, so let, let me read this to you now like Jesus is reading it to you. Or as if Jesus was reading it to you, because he is. And as he reads it to you, he'll read you. Let me read this scripture to you as if Jesus was reading this to you. Because as you allow that to happen, Jesus will read you. I tell you the truth. If you have faith and do not doubt. Not only can you do what's done to the fig tree, but you also can say to this mountain. So we've gone from a fig tree to a mountain in one conversation. Go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Now let's just camp there for a minute because it's, it's a very powerful scripture. Why? I'm telling you the truth. Anyone believe it's the truth? When you read scripture, you've got to see it as the truth. God's not lying. So if I have faith and don't doubt, right? So that's the, that's the whole thing there. If I have faith and don't doubt. Right, so how many of you know all hell and high water will come and challenge that very principle? But if, if I have faith and do not doubt. So there's what you've got to write in your Bible. I'm going to have faith and I'm not going to doubt despite this. Jesus is telling me, if I have it, this is what I can expect. See, because faith is just taking God at his word. 
That's it. It's acting on what you believe. Taking God at his word. So if I have faith and don't doubt, right, okay, not only can I do what's been done to the fig tree, but I can also say to the mountain, go and throw yourself into the sea and it's going to be done. Now, you don't need to throw any mountains into any sea, but you have mountains of circumstances. He's not talking about a mountain. He's saying there's mountains of circumstances, issues, problems, obstacles. They seem like mountains before you. You've got to see he's not talking about, I'm not necessarily talking about a natural mountain. What good is it of a mountain? But what he's saying is faith could do that. But there's no need to throw a mountain into the sea. But there is a lot of need to throw your mountain of doubt into the sea. True? If you believe. So, how many times have we heard the word if? Twice. If you believe, you'll receive whatever you ask. Whatever you ask for in prayer, providing it's in accordance with the will of God. If you believe. Hello? It's all gone quiet out there. Are you all still there? Now the word if is not doubt. Some people ask it, well, if. Listen to the contents of the heart. Well, if. What if? Yeah. If. Well, if. if. No, no. This is not a negative way of using the word if. This is a very positive. If you have faith. He's saying it's a question. If you have it, then this is what you can expect. It's not if. It's not a doubt. It's not a resisting if. It's a very positive if. So it's a very... So we see immediately Jesus reached out his hand in Matthew 14, 31. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him. So this is the point where Peter's stepping out onto the water, out of the boat, onto the water. So this is the context of this morning in our prayer meeting, Andrew used the illustration of the movie. Some of you may have seen it, may not, of Indiana Jones. And it's at the end there when he has to walk out and there's this big chasm, chasm, whichever way you want to pronounce it, right? And it's a big gap there and he's got to step out and he's got to just believe in faith that there'll be a pathway when he steps on it. That's Peter right now. Peter's just about to step out from that boat onto that water. Well, we all know water's not hard. Yeah? It's soft. Now, there's such a thing called hard water, but not that way. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and called him, you of little faith. He said, why did you doubt? Doubt got, Je- uh, doubt got Peter wet. Doubt exposed Peter whether he could swim. Doubt does a lot of things. Doubt undermined the very... What, what Jesus was trying to say to him, Peter, you were almost there, son. You could almost do this thing. You was capable. You were more than capable of walking on that water. All you had to do is keep believing in me and keep focused. But for you, at the moment, doubt, boom, it'd gone in. You can imagine almost like that wall. He was ready to do it. It's an amazing thing. Only... Only the rerun of your life will show you the things that you were very capable of. And I, that's called regret, and I don't want to get there. We know a song about that, don't we? So what you do right now, with this faith, with this God, this one faith, this one God, this one baptism, this one Lord, through your confession, it's all been recorded. 
It's in the G cloud. Not the iCloud, it's the G cloud. The God cloud has got it all up there and he'll just show you in an instant. It won't, won't struggle like we, we do with ours sometimes. Jesus doesn't need, you know, HDMI cables up there. Jesus has got it. He'll just show us. So let me ask you a question. What if? What if? What if we could overcome doubt? What if? What if you could just trust God to see your husband saved? See your wife saved? What if you could just trust that God will turn your children around? What if you could just believe God for a better job? What if you could just believe God to do the very thing that your heart's wanting to do for him? What if? What if? Why not? Why not? But the no- normally doubt says, well, has he really heard me? Has he really heard me? Does he ever hear me? Will he come through for me? Only what if? Can he really do this? Last time it didn't work. So, do you recognize those questions? So let me ask you another question. Why are you doubting? Why are you doubting? You've got to answer the question today, folks. What and why? What are you doubting him about and why are you doubting him? Come on, what's stopping you? If you can't work in that very area, you can't work. Now this is what I found with God. And I love David's prayer because it really does strengthen me. When David messed up with, before God with Bathsheba, I used to think for many, many years that it was my responsibility to put my life right, and and it is. But I used to think it was only my responsibility. And then I read David's prayer and it came to me as a revelation. Lord, creating me. There was something that David didn't have, but he needed. And he needed God to do something to give him the strength and the start to make that journey. And God didn't say to him, you know, David, do this on your own. And David made that prayer, Lord, create in me, give to me, restore to me. And David realized that there was a part in his flesh that he couldn't do. And and, And by faith, he reached out to God and he said, God, you have to do something inside me because as a human being, I don't know if I can keep my my hands in my pocket. I'm a king. No one tells me I can't do anything. Who tells the king, you can't have this woman, you can't have that, you're doing this, you're doing that. There was only the prophet who would speak to the king. And that's if the king didn't kill the prophets. So at times, this is this what if question. You've got to get before the Lord. And in what area are you doubting? You've got to say, Lord, create in me. Sustain in me. I've prayed that prayer many, many times. You know, God is faithful. He's helped me. He's given me the strength to get keeping that. He says, Son, I see that you fail, but I see that you also want to get out. You recognize it and don't want to stay there. You feel powerless to get out. So I'm going to throw you a lifeline. 
There's a difference between, listen to me now. Someone once said this to me a long time ago and it really helped me. He said that when they were in a very sinful place and God said to them, and, and, and he said it to me as he told me, he said there's a difference between someone who's in sin and someone who's wicked. God can deal with someone who's in sin, providing they repent. But a wicked man's heart will never turn unless God has sovereignly has to overshadow him and intervene in the affairs of men which he does quite often. And I'm, I'm not wicked, but I do stupid things. Maybe you can identify with that. Not about me doing stupid things, you doing stupid things. Yeah? So, this is the love, John, 1 John 5, 3. This is the love God has, this, this is the love for God, to obey his commands. But Lord, I want to obey your commands, but I just can't seem to somehow. Then create in me, Lord. Create in me, Lord. And don't stop. Fast. Fast. Until God does something inside your heart. Don't do nothing, but do, while you're doing, while, God's, while you're waiting for God to do something, you do something. Meet him halfway. Fast until he does it. And his commands are not burdensome. Oi. So, how many times you, you're a Christian saying, it's too hard, this Christian walk. His commands are not burdensome. It's there, but they are difficult. It's a work of grace, my friends. It's a work of grace and faith. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. Everyone born of God, that's faith right there. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcame the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. God's gone quiet there. Small, it should have been bigger. And highlighted. So what's he saying here? This is the victory that overcomes the world. Who? God. Belief, faith in God overcomes the world. Where's the world? The world in you. There's a world in you and there's a world of faith in you. <coughs> only he who believes in the word, only he who stands on the word, stands for the word, listen to what I just said, stands on the word and stands for the word. Stands on the word and stands for the word. Will overcome the world and not be overcome by the world. So, how many of us, if we're honest, if we're doing that measuring the measure, how many of us feel overcome by the world? You're meant to overcome the world by faith. But how many of us feel overcome by the, or overwhelmed by the world because of our lack of faith and our doubt? This victory is ours. This victory that overcame the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Believes and does not doubt in his heart. We. So what is the world? The world is the thinking patterns. The behaviours in the thinking patterns. How many of you know there's troubled waters in the world? 
many troubled waters. So, without warning, Matthew says, 8.24, without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake. So the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. You can just, ima- you can just imagine him shouting, Abandon ship! Abandon ship! And then Jesus kind of wakes up and goes, doesn't panic, does he? Doesn't panic. I believe there's an issue in this boat. I believe there's an issue in this boat. Well, I've been sleeping. I've heard there's an issue in this boat. You can imagine them all going, it wasn't me, it was him. It was him. I believe there's an issue in this boat. Is it you, Peter? Is it you, John? No, no, no. You can imagine them all keeping their heads down. You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Jesus addressed the issue right at the moment. Have you noticed that? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm and the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Mm. Even the winds and waves obey him. Of course they do. Of course they do. That's why he's God. He's capital G. So, Notice the word up there without warning. Have you noticed doubt? Circumstances come without warning. They don't announce themselves, do they? Tomorrow morning, some of you will wake up. Uh, I'm not prophesying doom. But at some point, all right, if it's not tomorrow, it'll be some tomorrow. At some point, a storm will rise. Yeah, I'm not prophesying a storm, but I'm just saying, figuratively speaking, at some point, a storm will rise. Suddenly, without warning, it's coming. So what's going to combat this storm? Your faith. Are you going to be in the boat? Does he have to, does he have to wake up? Does your crying have to wake him up? But you know that I've had faith. Do you know what? I'd have been more ticked off if they woke me up. I'd have been more ticked off with them. I was having a good kip down here. Good sleep. Me and the father were, in, were, were dialoguing when you're down here. Then all of a sudden, his son, you better wake up. They're all whinging out there. They're all panicking out there. Can you imagine? You, wake, you woke up in the middle of the night and someone says, we're going down, we're going down. <laughs> you'd, you'd very easily get talking, taken into the frenzy. But Jesus is like, he rebukes the wind and the waves and then he's like, right, you lot. I'm going to flip in and have this conversation with you lot in a minute. And even the wind and waves are obeying. But without warning, nothing ever comes with an advertisement. Do you know that? But one thing he does say is you have little faith. He recognized, he knows the wind and the waves. But what, I mean, it's easy for us outside the boat. It's easy for us reflecting on this story to say, what a bunch of losers. But really, thinking about it, and sorry, we've got great time to think about it. Because we're not the one in the boat. But, you see, now here's the point. The physical Jesus was in the boat. So they could see him. Do you think the physical Jesus would have allowed the boat to go down? Do you think the physical Jesus would have allowed himself to go swimming? No. Right, so my bet, my thinking now, I don't know, this isn't, this isn't, I'm unsure right now. I can sit there and go, as long as he's in the boat, I'm safe. That's smart thinking, but it's smart now because I'm not in a, a panic, right? So I'm not saying they're dipsticks, but you think, as long as he's all right, 
Is he, let us know when his feet get wet. Because once his feet get wet, we know we're all in trouble. And he rebukes them because of their lack of faith. Now, you've got the same Jesus in the boat with you. The difference is, it's not the physical Jesus, because the physical person isn't present in flesh and blood. But he's still there, just as much as he was with the disciples. But because you can't see him, you don't think he's there. So faith is the evidence of things not seen, but things hoped for. So did he not say, here's your faith, I'll never leave you, nor forsake you. Right, can you just not live with that? Even though I don't see him, Lord, I'm, I'm just holding on that you said you'd never leave me, nor forsake me. So I know you're here somewhere. So at some point, can you reveal yourself so I know you're there? God says, I've already told you I'm there. Your problem is you don't think I'm there. That's the issue we have. And that's why we start doubting. And the enemy loves doubt. Oh, he loves it. He feeds on it. So you've got to trust him even though you don't see him. But he's still in the boat. Now, you may feel like your boat's taking on water. But stay in it. Staying in the boat is still better than swimming. Believe me, it is. Your boat's not going to sink and you're not going to capsize. Stay. Stay. Don't be like that Italian guy. Is it, what's it called? The Conquest? What was it called? Ah, that as well. That one. Well, he's in serious trouble now, isn't he? I bet he wish he hadn't have done what he did. How many of you know the storms of life are really, in many ways, not every way, but in some ways, are a result of your habits? You create your own storms by your behavior. It's only a matter of time before payback. There are times when storms just come and, you, and it's nothing about you. But there are many storms that come because you failed to take charge of your life and now it's payback. You've got to believe that, guys. This is when many people sink or swim. This time, this is when they get overswept by the waves. Swept over by the waves. Because they should have paid attention. They didn't listen. They wouldn't listen. So guess what? Eventually, payback comes. It's tragic, but it happens. How many of you have prayed, or not prayed, but how many of you thought in your mind, be honest with yourself, it's where you measure in your measure. Lord, I feel like I'm drowning. Now listen, to say that you're drowning doesn't mean to say you have no faith, you don't love him. Because Peter did it. The disciples did it. It does not mean to say that you don't love God. It just means that your faith needs to rise. Okay? Don't be condemned. No one's condemning you. No one's saying because you haven't got that level that it's wrong. No, 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 no. We're all at that place at some point. Sometime, at some point in our life, we're all going to feel like we're drowning. And God says, it's okay, it's, it's, a, it's a new season to take your faith to another level. It's great when you've seen God work, when God's already got some history in your life, and you've seen him work in these areas. The next, the next time something happens, but I many of you know, two things never happen the same. Because God's always got a different lesson for us. So, 
aware of their discussion, Matthew 6, 18, 16, 18 says, aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, you have little faith. Have you noticed he keeps finding people of little faith? Why are you talking amongst yourselves about having no bread? Mm. Do you still not understand? Good question. Don't you remember the five loaves and the 5,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? So he's talking about, do you remember, boys, I've given you a down payment of who I am and how I work. Come on. I've given you some reasons to trust and not doubt. Now, how many miracles have you seen in your life? Come on, ask this question, answer this question. How many miracles have you seen in your life? In your life? Come on, answer it yourself. Write down how many times you've seen God move, you've seen the miraculous happen in your life, and then start there. Right, that's God giving you a down payment to, know, to show you that I can do it, I have done it. I did it once before and I can do it again. I'm not the God who just, it, it wasn't an accident, I did it deliberately. You must camp there. That's the God I walk with. Because I know he's done it before. I've got the history in my family now. I can take my grandkids through. I can take my children through it. I can say, this is the God who did it. Israel did it all the time. This is the God who walked with me. This is the God when we were in the boat as a family and we almost drowned. This is the God who pulled us out. This is the God that we were in that car crash and we could have been killed. This is the God who saved our lives. This is the God when we were financially broken, we had no food and people turned up, ravens turned up with food. This is the God I serve. You must have a God that's worked on behalf of you in the past. You must have a God like that. You say, well, what happens if I've never had those experiences? Then ask God for some. But if God gives you some, (coughs) you'll have some crisis. Because God works best in crisis. God's not in crisis. God works with crisis. Truth is inside God, not crisis. I'm not going to keep talking about bread. See beyond, he's saying. Your boys, your issues is with bread and loaves and fishes and feeding and the mundane. Can we not look beyond the mundane? That's what he's saying. Can we not get past household goods? Can we not get into other issues here, boys? Can we not can I not take you further? Surely in this time now of my life with you guys, we're still talking about whether I can feed you. Mundane issues. Guys, we've got to get past mundane. And Tuesday. And Wednesday. And Thursday. We've got to get past the mundane issues and get into higher priorities. All your faith cannot be used in the mundane. It's a place to start. It's a good place to start. But we've got to get beyond the mundane. Because it's the mundane that pulls you down. How is it you don't understand that I was talking to you? I was not talking to you about bread. So what happens is sometimes is when we're talking here, you put everything that's being said down to you. Now think about this for a second. Everything that God says... I know you're not going to like this, but it's true. God 
Though God will give you your portion. Right. I give this bread. Where's the bread? E, come here. Now, if I present that side of the bread to you, and I present that to Phil, it looks like I'm giving Phil a full loaf. But if I turn it around, he goes, hey, you scuffed. Everyone else has had a piece of this. Everybody else had a piece. You're giving me what everyone else has had. What's the difference there? Perspective. I turned it around. It looked full. It looked just for him. I turned it around. And we've all had a piece. I hope they all went to the toilet. Guess what? Jesus says the same thing about you and I. I hope you all came in cleansed. Who can ascend the hill of the, the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. I hope, you, I hope you cleanse your heart and wash your hands before you got to church, before you put it on this bread. So when God gives you your portion this morning, he didn't only present it to you like it was only for you. We all had a piece. But if you're prim and proper... You only ever want him to speak to you. Come on, be honest. I want God to speak to me this morning. But God's speaking to us. But if you can't speak, if you, sorry, if you can't hear what God is saying to us, then you'll only ever expect God to speak to you. So the Bible has a word, something to say about that. Are you ready? If you've got ears, you'll hear it. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the... Did he say to you? He said to the church. But out of what God says to the church, he'll speak to you. But if you can only hear God just for you and never hear what he's saying to the church, then you're never part of his body. You're only ever eating as a lone individual member. That's very serious. That is very serious indeed. Because when I sit at my table with me and Carol, there's two of us or three of us. We've got a freeloader in our house. He's not a freeloader, but we have three of us or four of us or five of us, right? The point is, we, we don't eat, even though we have our own plate, we eat as a family. True? You cannot keep eating, church, as an individual. Because what happens when I don't, when I'm saying something, you come in one day and you haven't got any needs. This message all of a sudden is not relevant to you. Really? Really? You think you're that important? Come on. The problem's not what's being said. The problem is how we hear. Human understanding will always erode away your faith. So, I meant to bring an illustration down this morning, but forgot it. Right, I'm going to give this as an illustration. We're going to cut to the chase. All right. See this here? What is this? Are you sure? Are you really sure? Okay. So it's a Bible. See how thick it is? It's a thick book, that, isn't it? Many of us have never read a thick book before. Many of us like, like to read a thin book. Because the size of a book sometimes creates fears. There's a lot of words in there. I'm reading a book right now, 600 pages. It's all on the history of the EU. Thanks to Andy Duffield. And it's hard going. And it's got a lot of big words. But it's good for me. So this has got 
in fact, I brought it down here. Let me see. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Oh, here it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. This NIV has got 1,383 pages. How many pages? 1,383 pages. How many of you know it's a lot of pages? That's a lot of pages. And all I've just done there, that's not counting the, ch- the Thompson chains at the back. That's just calling from Genesis to Revelation. In this NIV Bible. Right. How many of you know God can speak to me from any page he wants? Right? But it's a thick Bible. 1,383 Bibles. Uh, pages. That seems a lot of pages for God to speak. Which one do I go to, Lord? Which one? Which one? Which show me the page? And I'll, I'll go to visit. No, he don't work like that, does he? But sometimes, you know, I say, Lord, speak to me. And I've opened my Bible, and it's just fallen over, and God chose the page. Out of 1,383, I say, Lord, can I do the lottery? <laughs> With good fortune like that, give me the numbers. <laughs> so don't go on your lottery next week and put 1383. They're not, the, they're not the lottery numbers. But here's the secret I want to get to you. It's a big book from a distance, from a distance. It's a big book. How can God speak to me? So let's make it really easy for you. Shall I make it really easy for you? Shall I? Okay, let's just start with one page. Now, if I line that page up there, and I turn and look, look at Andrea, that piece of paper, Phil, what would you say? 4,000? 4,000? Oh, it's very thin, isn't it? So I've gone from a book. I can't hear God because it's a big, thick book. So now we get to one page. It's a very thin page. Doesn't matter where I got it from, new or old. Doesn't matter if you understand it, it's only one thin thin page. And I'm still struggling to hear God. But how many of you know the God of the page is still the same God of the Bible? Right. So here we are. Phil, just hold that page. Let's just let's hold this do an illustration like this. There's Phil on that side. I can't see Phil. But now we've got this Bible down to a really thin page. So God is literally four thousand. Four, I can't say it. Four thousandth of an inch away from me. We've gone from a thick Bible to one page. In fact, it's, it's that see-through this. I should be able to see through, but I can't because there's word in the way. Oh, there's a problem. There's word in the way. Now, if I can just by faith begin to take this word, it's only a four thousandth of a page away. We've gone from a book to a page. I do that is there. All I had to do by faith is step into this word and he's right, he's closer to me than I ever thought. Just one page. Just one page. If you're looking for the portal of God, it's in your Bible. If you're looking for the portal, how do I enter the portal of God and get to the other side? It's in this Bible. All I had to do was apply it by faith and he was a lot closer to me than I thought. I've gone from a thick Bible to one page. I still can't see him on one page. Why? Because I need faith to believe he's there. And when I step and believe and and I walk into this Bible, I find that I enter into the presence of God, the dimension of God, and God speaks to me because it's no longer just black and white print. It's a living person speaking to me Hello from the other side. That's what Adele sang. But he's not on the other side. The other side is just in your head. When God speaks, he's not on the other side. He takes you to where he is. 
You see, now here's the problem. You think he's on the other side. He's not on the other side. He's on the same side as you. This in your mind, this is where we go wrong in my mind, is we think he's on the other side. And God says, did I not tell you? I am with you. He's already with you on this side. So why don't you, what you've got to do is stop reading the Bible like he's on the other side. You've got to start reading it like he's with you. And, re- and show me, Lord, what's in your word. Show me what's in our word. And then he says, hold me on, let's step in together. That's called walking on water. He's not on the other side. He's on the same side. Only in your mind you wrestle and doubt that, Lord, this God's a million miles away. No, he's not. He's here, right here. You've got to use the God that's with you, here, on this side. And stop thinking that I've got to try and work my way so I get where he is. He's here. And how do I do it? Through faith. Faith is a key. Phil bought me some keys. Now these, I don't know if you believe, these are a whopping set of keys. These are the kingdom. Let's go for the, let's go for, it doesn't need to be the biggest key because it's not the biggest key. It's one of the keys. Any key you want. Let's use that one. Boom. Jesus said, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. So these are my keys to the kingdom. You've got them. I've got them. My mother-in-law, when I show my mother-in-law these keys, she says, good gracious. Tony, what, what, what are you doing with them keys? She, I say, Margaret, I know which every door they work on. Oh, she's, she's mesmerized that these keys. I said, I said to her, remember Margaret, those days when you had a memory? <laughs> hey, hey, it's great having a word with my mother-in-law. The point is this, that Bible is so thin. Jesus didn't literally come from the other side of the paper. He was on this side. If you can start reading the Bible like he's on the same side, or you're on the same side as him, and stop trying to work and doubt and fear that he's not listening to you, start your quiet times with him at the side of you. Start reading the scripture. Lord, let us explore together. Show me what you've got in your word. Step in together. There's a great adventure in the unknown. Amen? You sure? I don't think you are, but there you go. How many pages? 4,000. Sorry, uh, 1,383 pages. The presence of God is a lot nearer than you think. Bible, uh, Paul, uh, what was it who said, forget the guy's name, who said, he said, Lord, just open my eyes and let me see. Those who are with us are far greater than those who are not with us. And Lord opened up his eyes and he saw the army of the heavenly host. All it was was just that thin. It's that thin. It's that thin. It's not thick. You see, God can have a very thin line, but you can't cross it without faith. God's his technology is superb. So let's stand to our feet, if we will. And the key, Galatians 5.16 says, So I live in the Spirit. I live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify, gratify the sinful natures. You must live by the Spirit, walk in faith. Live by the Spirit, walk in faith. 
See, living by the Spirit and walking in faith will kill your doubts. It'll kill all doubt. You've got to walk in the Spirit. So let's just raise our hands. I'm going to just appeal to you this morning from what I said just a minute ago about David prayed that prayer, creating me. David realized he, was, he got himself in hot water. The prophet was on him. God was on him. David was in serious trouble. But David realized that there were some things David couldn't do without God's help. It didn't mean to say there wasn't anything David could do. Hear me, what I've just said. Some things you've got to do in order for God to do what he does. It's not about you doing nothing and expecting God to do something. If God doesn't do it, see, I asked him. He didn't do it. No, no, no. You must do something for God to come to you. Creating me a pure heart is the first place. And then, Lord, sustain me by your word. Sustain me by your word, Lord, because I realize my mind wanders. I shift like the shadows sometimes. Oh, Lord, sustain me by your word. So here's the, so here's the deal. Listen, for, in order for God to sustain you by his word, you must live by his word. Struggling, by his, struggling with his word is part of your, your journey. But at least you must be in the word and the word must be in you. Remember, we, st- we not only believe in the word, we stand on the word. It's the only hope we've got, folks. Outside of that, you're on your own. I've tried it both ways and I know which way works and I know which way doesn't work. And I'll give you the, the key to this, is that you'll still struggle with it. But you'll get through it because it's victorious. This is how you overcome the world. Even your faith. You have faith to overcome the world, not for the world to overcome you. So ask Lord, Lord, creating me. Come on, ask him right now. Creating me a pure heart, Lord. Sustain me by your spirit, oh God. Sustain me by your word. Give me sustaining word, Lord. Come on, just ask him. Acknowledge where you are in your faith. Come on, measure your measure. Measure your measure. Oh my God, right now, right now, right now, Lord, let there be a fresh measure, oh God. Let there be a fresh position and an aligning in the Spirit of God. Right now, Lord, let there be a fresh alignment in the Spirit right through this house. Let it come, Lord, let it come. Let there be a mighty, mighty breath of fresh air falling upon your people. So the Lord is listening to you and he says, if you believe and do not doubt, the Lord will give you what you need. I've seen this happen in my own life. Trust in God that God will bring to you what you need. I know I feel weak. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. That's what the Bible says. Don't condemn yourself. Keep staying the word. Now, the next thing I want you to see is this. I want you to start reading the Bible with God rather than reading the Bible to find God. Start reading the Bible with God. Start praying with God. He's your partner. He's a partner. He's a partner. Stop trying to seek him like he's never there. And start, start realizing that he is there and go on the adventure with him. You'll get to know him a lot quicker because you'll realize he's there. Because if you're always seeking him, how do you ever know when you found him? So you're going to say to me right now, well, what the scripture says, if you seek me, you'll be found by me. That's not talking about like I'm never there. He's talking about you'll find my heart. You'll find more of me. You'll understand my ways. 
Seek me with all your heart. You'll find more of me. Do it with me at the side. Lord, I want to know you, Lord. Show me your glory. Show me your ways. That's seeking me. You'll find me. He said, I've got plans for you. Plans to give you hope. Plans to give you a few. But when you come and when you seek me, you'll realize I'm a lot closer to you than you ever thought. Stop trying to look at me like I'm never here. I'm here. The portal is 4,000. Fuck, I have to say it. 4,000 of an inch away. It's that thin. Step into it. Step into it. So let's just raise our hands. Let the Lord measure your measure. Read Romans this week, please. Read Romans this week and say, Lord, measure me now. Sit down with the Lord face to face. Let's read the scripture together, Lord. Lord, search me and know me, Lord. Show me in my heart where my measure needs to increase. Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to work with you. I'm going to worship with you. I'm going to witness with you. I'm going to warfare with you. I'm going to do all these things with you, O oh God, at the side of me. From this day on, I'm never going to look for you again. I'm never going to look for you again. Because you're closer than a brother. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. (laughs) Lord bless you. Tell you guys, it's not that far away.